Welcome to the All In Gold podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to go all in on your business goals and create the life of your dreams. If you're new to business and you're determined to create productive habits and positive mindsets to set you up for success, this show is for you. I'm your host and coach, Linda Drozdowich, and I'm thrilled for you to join me on this journey to business gold. Let's go all in. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the All in Gold podcast. My name is Linda Drozdowich, I'm your host, and today I'm very excited for my guest, who is also the host of her own podcast. She is Margot Miller of Start Podcast. She is an amazing woman who interviews Winnipeg-based startup companies, and in fact, not just Winnipeg, but Prairie startup companies. So she is talking to people who have drive and vision and passion for creating business here in our province. So it's an amazing privilege to have her here. I'm so excited. She is just full of energy and drive and passion herself. So get ready. This is going to be fun. Welcome to Margot. I am super happy that you're here. We've uh, been chatting for a few minutes just about our own podcast and the technology behind it. And uh, so we are set. You've got two people who are both doing podcasts. So this is going to be fun. You're going to hear a lot about podcasting and uh, just a lot about a local woman business owner, which is, you know, what all of you who are listening are all most everyone that I know of is who listens is a business owner. And so we're going to get the inside scoop on uh, Margot's business of having the start podcast. So Margot, tell us a bit about yourself and, and your business. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Linda. So as you said, I have a podcast, it's called start podcast and we interview startups in the Canadian prairies. Um, so we wanted a show that was relatively niche that people here in Manitoba or in the prairies understood why they should listen. The audience was more obvious. Um, and at the same time, we wanted it to be broad enough that the topic could be um, kind of relatable to many people across the province. So much like you, we're interviewing people with businesses. Um, in our case, they tend to be more unique starting up early phase companies past ideation and before like large scale growth. So they're in that kind of like ramping up phase. And usually, like I said, something particularly unique that they're working on. Um, and that kind of gives us that interesting angle to the show too. But, you know, it's funny hearing you even say just now, Margot Miller, business owner, start podcast, because I had some of that original feeling of, well, I don't own a business. I just have a podcast, right? But the podcast <laughs> started making money and it was totally, totally became a side business. I was asked to do more hosting, moderating, emceeing, um, you know, paid speaking engagements. It became something bigger than what it originally was. But I still kept saying to myself, well, it's not a side business. It's just a thing I'm doing, you know, because it started off volunteer. Like it started off as something that we wanted to do to give back to the community. We love our province. We were tired of hearing people say, we have nothing cool coming out of there. Why do we live there? And so we said, no, we're going to start a show talking about and telling those amazing stories that then turned into a business. But it's so funny because I think sometimes, and maybe it's more common with women, like we don't really necessarily look from the outside and own all the things that we're doing. Absolutely. I know so many women 
who do not, who, who are selling services, selling products, uh, you know, have the business number, but can't own the title of being a businesswoman or being a totally. business owner. It's, it's completely, it's like, um, I don't know. I'm just going out here on a limb. I think you're a business owner. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny that, uh, and I think that you're right. It is probably a particularly uh, female trait. Um, you know, we're taught a lot about um, not being ambitious, not being driven. You know, there, there's a little bit of reluctance sometimes on, on women's part to own that. So I think it's, it's, it's probably pretty, uh, expected that a lot of us really don't own that, but yes, you have this amazing uh, new business, and it's highlighting other businesses in the prairies. So that's it's uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful blend. I love it. So um, you started. You were saying that you started this podcast originally with your brother, and then now it's it's just you doing it, or is he still involved? Yeah, that's right. So season one, when we were doing it as a kind of not-for-profit entity, we not officially, we um, basically it was a volunteer gig on the side. Like, we, like what I was saying, we really wanted to give back to our community. I was, I've always been really involved in the community, doing tons of volunteer work. So taking on a new project that was my own, not necessarily affiliated with an existing body, but still in this kind of community volunteer capacity, felt no different than what I was already doing, but it actually maybe felt a bit better because I had ownership over it and I could potentially grow it into something if it went that direction. So, uh, and I'm still volunteering in the community in many ways on top of it. So my brother at the time comes from a very different background than me. I've always been kind of in the spotlight in the community. He is much more like behind the scenes. He's a civil engineer, so very different kind of career path, but um, comes with a very interesting perspective from his side. So we thought, doing some kind of project together will be a great way not only to enhance our relationship as siblings and see if we can work together at an, at an adult age, um, but also to uh, give our listeners different perspectives because he did ask questions that were coming from that more analytical mindset, right? And so we really liked that and we had this banter going. When season two started, um, naturally for me, like I said, it was that path that I really wanted to take. And he ended up taking a job opportunity in Australia. So he's currently still in Australia. I think with all the COVID changes, he's going to be coming home soon, um, earlier than anticipated. But, uh, but doing the remote recording with time zone changes and things like that just didn't seem feasible for us. Right, of course. So now it's, it is really more your baby right now. That's right. Yeah. And I registered it as a business and everything independently. So but at this point, all the kind of monetary aspects of it really came in season two. So just me. Nice. And, you know, who, who have you been interviewing? Like, tell us a bit about uh, some of the people that you've been interviewing. It's, uh, you've got quite a list of uh, uh, prairie startups. So tell us a bit about the people you've had a, the opportunity to chat with. Yeah, it's been so wonderful. We have a range. So I know when people think of like innovative startups, they often think technology. And certainly we've had some really amazing tech startups on the show. People like Dan Blair from Bitspace um, doing virtual reality and, and augmented reality. And we've got people like Giovanna Manena from Browse by G who's doing, oh, yeah. you know, brow shaping and micro pigmentation and things like that. But you know, the reason that, that they both fit is that 
Giovanna didn't just open a regular brow salon and call it a day. Like she's got a training program. She's got a product line. She was on Dragon's Den and got a deal with one of the dragons to expand her product line. And then the fact that they're also training people on how to do micropigmentation makes them the leader in their field. So it's these people who at an outside glance, you might think, oh yeah, she's, she seems like a good businesswoman. She owns a, a few salons, right? But it's like, they're actually people that are doing so much more. And when you look at the pieces that she's done, it's so unique and it's really like grown something that could have been a standalone shop, which is still really amazing, but, and turned it into something so much bigger. And so that's why we wanted to showcase some of those differences, like that there are people doing innovative things in their field without necessarily it being technology. Um, but of course, like I said, we do have a lot of tech episodes. One of the highest performing episodes we have is Gareth Rempel from Trainfo. So train, F-O, like, like okay. a train runs along the track. What they've done is taken uh, train data and been able to assess it and give it to municipalities and, and cities to track when freight trains are going to be crossing and blocking traffic. This sounds like something relatively basic, but if you use Google Maps right now, you don't have that knowledge, right? It tells you to go somewhere and all of a sudden you're delayed huge because you get hit at a train, right? So these major platforms don't have that technology yet. And these guys are at the forefront of it. They've been asked to go to Congress in the US and present their findings. They're here locally. They're starting to really be talked about in Canada as someone who's able to provide data that other people aren't. And data really, if you're, if you're looking at tech, no, having the information, having the data, it's why people like Facebook are so strong, right? Companies like Facebook, because they have so much of our data because they came in so early. Data is what's being sold now more than like many other things in tech. So having that data that people want and knowing how to get it and examine it and give it back in a way that's really legible to the rest of us, that's a huge business. And these guys- that's brilliant. Especially like from a Winnipeg point of view, the trains is, you know, I mean, we all know that. We've all been stuck at the trains <laughs> Yeah. sitting there, you know, and you're, you're 15 minutes late. Uh, although it can be a good excuse. <laughs> right. But then think of it, even so from a regular user perspective, yeah, it'll be nice for you and I one day when that actually comes to fruition. But in the meantime, what they're using it for is think of like medical personnel. Think if you're in an ambulance, they also don't have access to that information today because there is no oh, fascinating of course. Freight. Yeah. To show the public. Oh, that's, that's amazing. So you've been, yeah. So you've been talking to tech people, you've been talking totally. to. And that's, the, that's, that's so much fun about it, right? Because I already loved my city and my province, but now I have like even more stories and anecdotes to share with people to enhance that love and share these great stories of people doing awesome things. And at the same time, we really try and get a lot of tips out of our listeners. So um, we try and get them to say like, how did you get that funding? How did you hit that number of sales? Like, what were you really doing? And so if other people are looking to start a business, it really is a great resource. Like there are awesome shows out there and books out there for people in Silicon Valley or other big cities, but there is a different layer when you're doing it here. And these stories are of people who are growing something, making it happen and making it happen in a big way. And they're your neighbor. So the tips are so valuable. And so that's been, you know, that's been a really big part of the fun for us. And that, you know, I was just going to ask you, uh, speaking of tips is how do you get your podcast guests? Like that would be something that, uh, the women who are listening to this podcast would be interested in. Like, how do you, how do you reach out? How do you get the connection? How do you, um, you know, how do you find the, the people that you want to interview? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that 
originally, you know, there is a thought like, well, I have a show, they'll come, right? Like if you build yeah. it, they will come. And we have been really lucky. Like I mentioned earlier, I have always been really involved in the community. So I had a lot of contacts to start with. Um, is it possible that that list of people starts to dry up? Yeah, certainly, especially because we have a really niche topic for our show. Um, so we are expanding into, you know, getting more guests from Saskatchewan and, and kind of spreading it out a little bit. But um, really, it's hugely relationship building, Ex like getting a chance to explain to someone what your show is really all about, why it's relevant. I can say that I have never shared our number of listeners with any guests wanting to, looking to be on the show. Like that's never been the question. It's never been, well, what's in it for me? How many people are going to listen? If it's, is it worth my time? I've never had that. Um, right. I think if you're passionate about what you're doing and you have a clear expression of what the show focus is, um, then people usually make the time, especially in a province and city like ours. Like we are so connected and we are so willing to support one another. And free PR is free PR, right? Yeah. So depending on who you're aiming for, like if it's the CEO of a massive organization that doesn't need your free PR, then yeah, it's going to be a little trickier. Then you really need to leverage relationships. Just tell everyone you know what you're doing and be really clear on the type of guests that you want. So um, we get people approaching us to be on the show now, and they're um, often people that don't fit the bill, right? They're more like general consultants, things like that, which is so great. And like, I would love to have them all on. And sometimes I'm actually upset that I can't have them on because they don't need our match our, our demographic of what we want. But, um, but what you have to do is be clear on that messaging and then you'll, it'll be much easier to find the right people. So let's say even you're at a dinner party with your friends and you know, one of your friends is connected to some people you may want to have on the show. You have to tell your friend, Hey, I'm looking to have people like X on the show. And here's why, because we have this criteria and this criteria. And I think, you know, some people that match those criteria, those criteria, do you think it would make sense to connect me with them? Or would you be willing to connect me with them? So then your friend goes, okay, I get why the, that person's a fit. I understand why I'm being asked to reach out and not like a broad strokes. I think too often people are like, well, anyone who you think is a good fit. And it's like, I can't think of anyone for you. I have enough other things to think of. But if you give me a specific example, I need an athlete who is under 19 years old, who is trying to get into the NHL, who feels like he's close. Well, that's going to be way easier to figure out. <laughs> You're going to know course. a friend who has a kid who's an athlete, whatever, like it's going to be much easier. So being really clear on your messaging and who you want. And that probably applies to a lot of things in life. Yes, absolutely. And I know you had mentioned uh, when we were talking before that you are going to highlight uh, black business owners, uh, people of color and indigenous uh, business owners as well right now. So basically for our last few episodes, that is our call to action out there. So that is what I've been telling, you know, friends and family to your point um, and connections in the community. I had other great guests that have wanted to come on lately. And I said, are you, are your co-founders or founders women? Are they indigenous? Are they people of color? Are they black? If they're not, um, we'd love to keep your information on file for next season. But right now that's who we're trying to focus on. Um, I have a ton to learn when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement, when it comes to, um, you know, helping use my white privilege to raise up and support others in any way I can. I'm still learning and even finding myself cautious in the words that I'm using, um, you know, compared to before. So I love that it's top of mind though now that it's a conversation we can have around the table. And um, this is a very small part of what I can do to ensure that my show is 
is trending in the right direction as far as this this medium and this topic is concerned. Absolutely. And just, you know, uh, passing the mic, you know, elevating melanated voices. And as you said, you know, you're being careful with your words, but you're, you're still doing it. You're, you're willing to make some mistakes or, or, you know, not get it right at the beginning. And I know that um, that holds a lot of people back in taking, um, in, in learning something new and being able to admit like, I'm out of my element here. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, that, but, but being able to do that anyway and take action is is amazing right now. So well, and Linda, you know, in all honesty, it certainly did for me too. Like that that feeling certainly did hold me back in the first little while. Um, and you know, I had some good friends that called me out. Like they sat me down and said, "I was expecting more from you. Where, where's your post? Where's your comments? You know, you are someone that people look at." And I think that was, you know, that's part of the realization, like realizing the position that you're in as well. Um, I think for me, I felt like I wasn't that big of a voice, but it's like, but certainly it's bigger than many other people, right. you know, white or otherwise. So, um, you know, you do realize you do. And sometimes you need those people to, to put it in perspective for you. And so, you know, if my friends listen, like who know, they know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the, uh, for the push, because sometimes we need that, you know? And Those I, are the best friends. Yeah. The best friends are the ones who, who will call you out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they really absolutely. are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've always been the tough love friend, so it was nice to get it the other way around. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Um, so you, you started this about a year ago. What, what was your background? Like you, you've mentioned before that you're big into community uh, building and community support. So what was your background that, uh, that caused you to want to start a podcast in the first place? Yeah, so it's kind of funny. There's a few reasons why we wanted to start it. But as far as background's concerned, I have always been really involved in the community. I've been on boards since about 21 years old. Um, I started on the Children's Wish Foundation of Manitoba and Nunavut board. And um, at 21. Holy at 21. <laughs> yeah, which is really wild because most people on boards are like senior executives in finance, legal, HR, you know, the skills they really need. I just said, I want to help you get more young people interested in the charity, interested in what you guys are doing. We're the future. We're the future donors. We're the future board members. Why not have someone now so you get a perspective of, you know, your gala dinner is not attracting our, our generation. Well, partly it's because we have no money, but is there other ways that we could be included? Could we set up a youth volunteer program through the events or whatever that might be, right? So I think that um, many boards who have, were innovative recognize that. And so, you know, testament to them. Since then, a similar thing has happened on other boards for me. So I did the Leadership Winnipeg program in Winnipeg. And if you are in Winnipeg and you are a future leader, that's a great program to participate in. Even if you're already beginning to be a leader, there are all ages that participate in it. There are people in their 40s who are in it. Like it's not, and probably older. It's all over the map. But Leadership Winnipeg is a great program. When they finished it, there was 10 years. My year was year 10 of um, people participating in the program. And they wanted to find a way to keep us connected. And so they started a program called Board Connect. So if you go to the Volunteer Manitoba website, you can find the program Board Connect. And they connect people with boards based on certain skill sets. And so I, again, in that case, I knew exactly what I wanted. I was very clear. I wanted a more prestigious board that it was involved with small business or, or business in the community that um, was not necessarily, I was fine if it was charity or not, it was just community oriented. And I ended up being connected with the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. So again, I'm early 20s and I was on the board for the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce with many really senior executives. All of those connections, right, add up. 
So I was an ex officio board member, which if you don't know, so that's someone who is there can comment on everything, but doesn't have formal voting rights, but you have a seat at the table. Right. You and got it. There were all these like great opportunities that I received um, or earned, you know, depending how you look at it. And, uh, and someone, someone has to trust you, you know, which is, I think, where I say that received piece. Um, but so it was great. And all those things kind of led me deeper and deeper into the community. I started helping run TEDx Winnipeg. So that's the, our TED Talks event locally. It's been around. It also is going into its 10th year. And when I've been with it for probably six or seven of those years, no, yeah, around, probably around there. Um, so with TEDx, there's some really great people involved in the startup community who are there because TED is all, all about new ideas, right? And so one of the guys on there, Carrie Stevenson, was, was one of the gentlemen who helped found Innovation Alley in our city. That's where him and Michael Legary had started it, where startups could go and there's a fabrication lab, like a makerspace, and they had this whole startup kind of area that they really were growing from the ground up in the exchange district. They've since kind of moved that and expanded that out. That now essentially is North Forge, which is our startup agency and accelerator and incubator in the city. So when my brother and I had this brilliant idea to do some kind of project or podcast together, I had been talking to Carrie Stevenson about the startup community and they had kind of had a podcast when they first started interviewing startups and I thought it was so neat, but it had died. And so we just kind of put together a proposal said how we intended to revive this kind of general brand of startup podcast. Would they support us? Would they start sharing it out to their network? And they were very open and said yes, and gave us kind of the original tools we needed, including a podcast studio. And that was it. That was how season one was born. And we started very quickly after that meeting with the North Forge crew and the founders of Innovation Alley, um, because we knew we had a built-in audience right away. Oh, and that's that was awesome. Back to connections, right? And, and relationships. And I had given tons to the community. And so when I approached them with this project, they were quick to say yes, because they already trusted me from the volunteers I had previously done. Right. And, uh, you know, you mentioned um, that you got a seat at the table. You were very young when you, you started to get seats at the table, which is so important for women in business to sit on boards. You know, I, I know that that's a a crucial part of, of taking leadership in your community is, is being on board. So, you know, like I, um, um, I really appreciate that. And you seem to have a very strong go-getter personality. You're making things happen. What struggles are you currently having in your own business of how you're growing, what things you want to achieve, what you want to push yourself towards. Like if I was just listening to this, I'd be like, oh my gosh, she's a woman who doesn't have self-doubt. She doesn't lack confidence. She just knows what she wants and goes after it. And uh, I know that most of us, even when we have that perception, are probably do have things that are holding us back. What, what would you say is, what are you struggling with right now in terms of business growth and where you want your future to go? Yeah, I, I totally get that. And I, and I think I hear it in myself when I talk sometimes too. Um, of course, we all have some self-doubt in us. I definitely am very fortunate. I feel as though I was kind of born with this ability to push myself, um, which is fortunate, right? Like I maybe have a little bit less of that self-doubt than, than some others. However, for sure, there are things that I struggle with. I 
all the time feel like I could be doing more for the show, more for my career as a host on, you know, that I'm still doing on the side. So, you know, I'm at the cabin and I'm relaxing and, and I, and I am able to do that too, which is really great. I am able to find a balance between the two. Um, but when I am relaxing, yeah, oftentimes I am thinking I really should have called that person or I really should have, um, be doing more. Why have I not made that list yet that I was supposed to make, you know, or whatever the case might be. And I'm adding things into my, my Trello, my task tracker, but, uh, so yes, we all do feel, I think like we could be doing more or like there's something that we're not achieving that we maybe should be. And we're wondering why. And that, that's where some people I think have that self doubt or there's a lot of people who feel um, imposter syndrome, like they've achieved, they have achieved a lot, but they don't feel like they deserve it. I've, I've met enough brilliant people that have talked about those things like imposter syndrome. And with Ted, actually, there's a coach now who specifically helps our speakers with exactly that topic. And so being around those people and being able to talk about that stuff, I think you start to realize, like you, you can place yourself on that scale, right? And you can start to listen, um, even though they might be helping somebody else, you can listen to <laughs> help you. So it's just, you know, putting yourself in those scenarios to be able to have those conversations. But um, like right now, I would love to grow the show bigger. I'd like to make it a national show and, you know, have a million followers one day is kind of the ultimate goal or a million downloads. But, um, but right now there's a lot of work to get there. So, and there still feels like there's days where you won't be able to achieve it, right? Right. But yeah, that feeling of, uh, I always could be doing more. I've, I've had to learn to, um, especially during the pandemic and working from home, I had to put very solid boundaries around my work time. Like I had to say, this is when I'm starting, this is when I'm stopping. And when I'm stopped, I'm not going to be, constantly thinking of all the things that I could have been doing all the things, you know, like, and I, 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 you know, I'll try and sneak it in. I'll tell myself, well, maybe I'll just do an hour tonight, you know, and I have to be really like strict with myself to say, no, 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 you can work tomorrow. Stop. As you said, you know, have that balance, create time for just, you know, living your life, enjoying some pleasure, enjoying some time, you know, with your family or your friends. And I know that's something that a lot of women do um, do have that that perception. I, it's I'm never doing enough. Uh, there's always more that I could be doing. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a very uh, very common challenge that I know all of us feel at times. Um, you know, you you talked about TEDx. Um, do you have a, a TEDx talk in your mind that you would be doing? You know, Linda. I actually was selected to do a TEDx Winnipeg, a TEDx talk. Um, oh, nice. It would have been during COVID. So the event, oh. Was oh. the event was canceled before they were able to publicly announce it. So this is me kind of speaking out of turn here, telling you this information. Um, <laughs> and, and I was, you know, so proud to have received that opportunity. It's, it's Absolutely. a big My topic is around something that I do work with on a regular day, which I'm really passionate about, which is um, the digital literacy divide. And I believe the topic is only even more prevalent since COVID-19 has hit. So hopefully there'll be a spot for me in the future, because basically if you look at COVID-19 and the gaps that it has shown in society, right? right? One of the big ones is access to technology and this digital divide that we have, including access to broadband connectivity. So we're a really spread out province in Manitoba. 
um, we are probably amongst the worst when it comes to a divide because we have so many pockets of our remote and rural communities that don't have a good internet connection. And we have many new Canadians, new immigrants, and many people who have yet to be able to purchase the type of computers and technology that they would need to stay really connected. And so now you have people being forced to stay remotely and stay alone. Resource centers are closed. Libraries with computers are closed. Schools with computers are closed, right? So where people previously would have been able to access technology, they are now unable to do so and now have basically been left out of society, left out of our economy, right? Wow. So it's huge. So it was a topic I was talking about before COVID hit, but COVID-19 and the pandemic has just become a perfect anecdote and example for me to showcase the problem because now people get it, right? They go, oh, that, in this case, that makes sense. But of course. that still happens the rest of the time too, right? Like, so the, the divide still exists. It's just been widened and brought to light. So I think hopefully there's a place in the future to talk about it more, um, but that would be what I would be talking about. And then we have, I work daily on a program that, that helps get access to technology and basic digital literacy classes like intro to computers for free into the hands of underrepresented populations across the province. And that's through Tech Manitoba. And so oh, that's that, okay. a really filling program. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, Tech Manitoba has some amazing uh, programs. Um, I'm glad that you were able to give this mini version of your TED Talk because I, that's something that I really, I hadn't thought about of the, the digital divide, that the, there would be a systemic problem in terms of access to that kind of information and that kind of part of the economy. And so that mm -hmm. would definitely affect indigenous people in Manitoba and anyone in the rural areas. And as you said, immigration, uh, new immigrants. Wow. So, and how did you get onto that? Like, how did that, uh, were you working with Tech Manitoba on that or was that yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, uh, during the day, my day job a lot of the time uh, with Tech Manitoba is running their programs. And so the biggest program budget that I run right now with them is the digital literacy program. And that's funded okay. through the federal government through ICED, Innovation Science and Economic Development. So basically, like back in 2008, there was a study that was done and you can find it online. And the study basically showed that Canada was lagging behind many other uh, kind of many other countries that are at our level. Um, I'm not the term first world country, I think is, is loosely used nowadays or not like yeah. not really used, but to help put that in perspective. So, so many other countries like ours, US, Australia, you know, other big countries, we were lagging behind when it came to digital literacy. And so it, that's when the government, federal government took some action and said, we got to put some money toward this. It came a ways later with various proposals and processes and things like that to get it in place. But now there's real attention on that. And so we're slowly making strides and there's many groups across the country that have received similar funding to Tech Manitoba to be able to work on this. And everyone's kind of structured their programs a little bit differently. But um, during COVID right now, we're getting computers into the hands of underrepresented families across the province and on the computers have computer literacy, like training videos loaded right onto them. So you can watch and learn with the videos without needing to access the internet because they're loaded right onto the computers. And the computers are refurbished so it's a good call to action. If you do have old technology sitting around at home that you're not using, go drop it off in Winnipeg at Computers for Schools at 18 Terracon Place, Monday to Friday during the day. They'll take all your old tech equipment, like any kind of tech equipment you can think of, even old phones, things like that. And um, they will totally wipe it, guarantee. And if they can't, they 
economic, um, they eco recycle it. So they make sure it goes like not into the big lots, but that it's out properly recycled with all the tech parts. And if they can use it, then they give it to programs like ours and we get it into the hands of people who need it. So they're refurbished computers. Oh my gosh. That's where my old computer's going. Thank you for yes, that. Please, that's, that's, please. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, oh, I absolutely will do that. Um, and it was just that people don't know about those things, you know, so the more we can share and share our love and share our, our, our items, it's such a like easy way to give back during COVID, right? Like some people don't want to deliver groceries and volunteer because they're worried about themselves as well. But this is such an easy way that it can make a huge impact. Like imagine a family with five kids who's doing trying to do homework from home without a computer. Yeah. Yeah. No, Absolutely. Uh, oh, that's, that's, that's really great. I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. And we'll put that in the, in the show notes that, so that people can see that Thanks, uh, and Linda. be reminded that be of great. that. And I just, I wanted to ask you, you know, what, what do you do to keep yourself motivated and, and productive? Um, you know, you've got uh, obviously a ton of energy and, and a lot of drive, like what just, you know, what are the things that keep you personally going? Like what, what do you do for fun? What do you do for uh, uh, just pleasure in your life? Yeah, interesting. I guess to me, that's like almost two different questions. What motivates me to do more in business is just like this innate feeling that I have as far as like wanting to push myself. I literally, if I'm not growing, I literally feel stagnant. Like I literally feel a pressure or an itch inside me to just do more. Like I feel like I'm doing something wrong. So that's built in, which is really okay. great in some ways. Um, but then kind of like how to go, how to not go too far with that, right, is where people need to be cautious. And I feel like uh, a while back, I would have said to you that like a person who inspires me is someone who is like working harder than me because I would look at them and think, okay, if they can do more, I can do more. But now, you know, I've come to realize that I, I'm not envious of that. I'm totally not envious of the person who boasts about working an 80 hour week or working weekends to crush their next goal. What inspires me now is someone who is achieving it all while also having downtime for themselves and their families or spending time at the lake and still achieving big goals. And, and so sometimes for me, that means bringing my laptop to the lake and like having a glass of rosé while I'm working on a show. But, um, but it, it's, it's so funny how that evolves, right? And, and like I talk to people now on the podcast, I'm interviewing people who own startups who are um, you know, talking about working seven days a week. And I just think to myself, I don't want that. Like I, I feel pretty great and I'm not doing that, you know, but, and they might achieve more wealth in the long run for sure. Like, you know, sure, good for them, but the, at what cost, right? And that's where we have to watch. And so I do tons of things in between to, um, you know, bring energy. Like I get energy from being around other people. So spending time with friends is really great. I'm in a ladies golf league. And so I get to see some friends in golf every Monday. And that's totally seems the opposite of my personality because I am go, go, go. And golf is really slow and involves tons of patience. And I, yes, but that's helping me learn that patience to some degree. So nice. that's been a good one. And I still play a lot of soccer. So I, I started playing competitive soccer when I was a kid and I still play. Um, and now I play co-ed with friends. So it's more fun, but you get that competitiveness still. Um, and the lake, like in the summer, every weekend, pretty much, I try and get out to the lake. And I guess taking it full circle when it comes to like motivating myself, I also don't have kids, Linda. And that's probably an important one for women in business to hear in a way, because yeah. I think sometimes we listen to things and think, well, that person's doing so much, but it's like, maybe they have help or maybe they don't have kids or whatever. Right. And so it's like knowing the whole picture. Um, so 
I look at that and sometimes I look at amazing female role models in my life who do have kids and I think if they can do all that with kids, I should be doing more considering I don't have them. So again, that's like an internal voice wanting to right. push myself to do more. Yeah. Yeah. No. And everyone has their own limitations. Their, you know, you can, I, I know that feeling of looking at people sometimes online and social media and thinking, oh my gosh, they do so much. How, you know, I, I, but you never know what, what their limitations are and what, uh, so I'm, I'm a hundred percent, uh, uh, believe that, you know, we just all are doing what we can. We're all doing, you know, we're working with what we've got. And so, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I've learned how to tamp down my own, um, compare and despair quality, uh, so that I just, you know, focus on what I can do and what, you know, drives me, what motivates me. And yeah stay in my lane is kind of my, my, my motto for, uh, for that kind of stuff. Uh, I wanted to ask you too, what, um, what's your, uh, what's your, like, what is your next move with your podcast? Like what, what's, what's the next move with the business? Where are you, where are you heading? Like we're, we're he you're heading towards the million downloads. That's right. happening. Right. It's happening, Linda. That's happening. Um, you know, the next step for me is a different level of visibility with the show. So we are intending to turn season three into a vodcast. So think like Joe Rogan style, like video podcast. Okay. Um, so less the style of um, like production, looking at the camera, think more of that um, video podcast where it's a recording of us in studio. So a little bit simpler production, but still gets people's faces out there. You get yep because you've got now a YouTube audience as well. So that's our next kind of step to grow the show. It involves way more editing, right? Because when you're editing audio and then you have to match it up to video, there's a, a whole lot of extra work there, which is why we haven't done it just yet. So that's the intention for season three, which will hopefully get us like an open up a new audience. And we also have some big plans to expand the scope of the show and the type of guests we have on. So a little bit of a different concept coming through. So it probably won't look like our same season one and two of the show so far. Um, but it's kind of in the works. So it's a uh, stay tuned for some fun news in the near future. Oh, that's so exciting. Oh, I love that. So then that's a great, uh, a great thing for me to ask you then, how can people find you? Like where, where can my listeners find you? You said you have a YouTube channel right now, or is that in the works? It's in the works, but you can find my personal YouTube channel, which does have some start podcast stuff on it right now. So that's at, that's Margot Miller. And Margot Miller is spelled wild. My first name is the French way. So it's M-A-R-G-A-U-X. Um, okay. And on most social media platforms, I'm Margot A. Miller. So there's an A in the middle. Um, so that's to find me personally. And then the show, um, we've been very lucky to get Start Podcast on most platforms. So we're startpodcast.ca. We're start, at Start Podcast on Instagram and at Start Podcast Canada on Facebook. And we're on LinkedIn too at Start Podcast if you prefer to get your business news that way. And, and we have an email newsletter on our website. So it's very easy to find, startpodcast.ca. And then you'll, on there, you can find the links to us on all of the major podcast platforms. So the show can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and many, many more. And so if, if it's easier to find a direct, click a direct link to take you right there, all the links are right at the top of our webpage at startpodcast.ca. Or if you prefer to just search it in your app, you're going to probably have to search Start Podcast Miller. And then it'll come up with a blue and yellow logo with a light bulb. You can't miss it. 
Okay. No, people, people can find you. <laughs> that, that, we hope. They, we hope. Yeah. They should be able to find you unless they don't have access to digital stuff, in which case everyone remember, go <laughs> right. and donate your old computers and tech. Uh, right. To computers to, for schools. Uh, where, okay. There you go. Thank you. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Margo. This has been a blast. I really appreciated you coming onto the podcast and uh, ah, I just, this was just fascinating to hear more about uh, you and your, your story. And, and uh, thank you for doing such amazing work in our community. Like just thank you, Linda. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much to Margot for coming on the show. I'm so excited that she is highlighting prairie businesses and startups here, uh, that she is so passionate about her community and serving her community. It's just a really uh, important piece to be in business and to be able to serve others. And so don't forget to drop off your used computer equipment to Computers for School at 18 Tarragon Place. It's going to help uh, ensure that newcomers, indigenous communities, and people in rural and northern Manitoba will have access to technology. So important. So don't forget to check out Margot's podcast, Start Podcasting, uh, and just hear all the wonderful guests that she has on her show. So I am thanking you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the All In Gold podcast with me, your host, Linda Drozdowich. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast and want more coaching tools to help your business grow, go to lindadrozdowich.com and hop on a call with me to see if one-on-one All In Gold coaching is right for you. Bring your business and life to the next level. Go to lindadrozdowich.com and let's go all in.